This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, good morning, my friends. Welcome along to The Garden Show. I'm Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, and uh, looking forward to another chat with Charlie, who is at her home in Prince Edward County, where you've had some rain of late, I understand. Uh, good morning, Frank. Well, yeah, I kept hearing about everybody else getting downpours all over Ontario starting yesterday. And we waited and waited and it was cloudy and gray and humid and, you know, felt like rain. But uh, we did get a bit of rain overnight. We, we got just under half an inch. So I guess that oh. would be about, about 10, centimeters, 10 millimeters. So that's consistent with what they said. They said 5 to 15, I think. So we got about 10. Oh, that's good. Okay. You've been very busy. You had the kids there for, what, four or five days, did you? Yeah. Picked the kids up last Saturday, and then uh, they went home yesterday. So, gosh, yeah. That was um, a bit of a whirlwind, (laughs) I tell you. I can can tell you're exhausted. (laughs) I know. It's amazing. I I never thought I would enjoy peace and quiet so much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, we've had a busy week, too. We're having a... um, uh, above ground pool installed, oh, right. and yeah, it's kind yeah. of going in stages because we're we're missing at the moment the pump and, and the heater and all that sort of thing. So uh, there it sits until you know various things arrive. However, uh, I'll, I'll be very thankful uh, with a well the weather the way it is now uh, tomorrow uh, forty one degrees or something like that. Uh, so you feel like really yeah oh. unbelievable unbelievable. Hey, you know what? I better get the phone numbers on the air here. Right, right? let folks know how to get a hold of you, Charlie. Yes. If if you do want to give a question to Charlie, by all means, in Toronto, call this number, 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. Uh, and keep in mind our little mantra, if you would, please. Call early, call often, one question per call. And if you happen to be a first-time caller, we've got a first-time caller, by the way, on the line. We'll be speaking to Peter out there in Pickering. So, uh, anyway, let uh, Carlos know. He'll tell me, and then... You'll get the little bell there before you, your garden wings, we like to call it, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. Hey, here's a, here's a little known fact or, or an interesting little tidbit I just picked up. Okay. So I planted from seed, from Stoke seeds, actually, some dwarf sunflowers. So that means, I mean, I love sunflowers, but you know how we, sunflowers, they're 10 feet tall. They're huge. These little guys are yeah. like a foot tall. So they're dwarf, they're small. But, but. Sunflowers turn, right? The reason we call them sunflowers is because they face the sun, the flowers. Well, I thought I was being so clever. I thought, well, they're going to face east, which is away from my house in the morning. But when the sun goes down, they'll be facing my house because they will have turned to the west. Well, they aren't. They're all facing east, even like right now and last night. And I'm like, what's going on? Why aren't my sunflowers facing west? So I just... I just looked it up, and it turns out that when sunflowers are young, they will turn 
with the sun ending up facing west at the end of the day. And then overnight, in anticipation of the sun coming up, they will face back east, so they're all ready to go in the morning. But once they get mature, once they've reached sexual maturity, they don't turn anymore, and they just stay facing east. So it's pretty funny. I'm looking out. I'm looking at the back of a whole bunch of beautiful sunflowers. Oh, that's, that is too funny. Oh, oh, leave it to you to discover that. I'm telling you. I know. I just thought I was being so clever, and it didn't work. <laughs> All right. You know what? We better move along here because we do have, in fact, another. Uh, well, we got a couple of first-time callers waiting to chat with you, Charlie. So fill up your coffee cup and uh, stick around, my friends, uh, for all sorts of fun and frivolity and a lot of (laughs) darn good information. Re the garden, okay? The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio, back with Charlie in a moment. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Alrighty, Charlie, let's welcome to the line a first-time caller. You submit here. Get the bell out there. Way to go, Frankie. Good stuff. Uh, Peter in Pickering. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Thank you Good for morning. taking my call. Welcome. Yeah, go ahead, uh, Peter. I have one question, one concern, and that's clover. And my question is, how do I eradicate it from my lawn? Uh, why do you want to eradicate it? It doesn't look nice, especially with beautiful green lawn that I have, and I have huge <laughs> patches of clover uh, throughout the lawn. Um, I love all my weeds, and I think uh, that I think weeds are beautiful, but not when they start ruining the uh, the lawn. Yeah, mm. yeah. Clover is a tough one to get rid of once it's in your lawn. Um, it has got a very deep taproot. So for you, I mean, honestly, I mean, after we've had this rain, your soil will be nice and moist. Honestly, the best thing to do is get down on your hands and knees with like a long, uh, heavy-duty screwdriver and go through and pull up each plant. But, of course, you'll lift the leaves. You'll find where that central taproot is, stick the screwdriver down, move it around a bit, and then just pull that whole plant out. That's going to be your best way. There's no, there's no, um, I mean, you could try something like, is it, I think Weed Be Gone, you'd have to check what it says on the label, but I believe Weed Be Gone will not kill grasses, but will kill so-called broad-leaved weeds in your lawn, uh-huh. which clover fits that, that category. But, of course, clover is a pretty tough plant, and the older it is and the, the deeper the root is and all that important stuff, the harder it is to kill with any chemicals. So, honestly, the best way to eradicate is to pull. So I'll be on my lawn between now and next September then. <laughs> do, do, it, Charlie. Lawn, eh? do it, Charlie. Let's take a wine bag with you. The day goes by much quicker that way. <laughs> All right. Well, that's very good advice. Thank you very much, Charlie. Thank, thank you, Peter. All right. And uh, don't be a stranger now. All righty. Uh, let me turn to uh, an email or two. Well, we'll do one for sure. And thank you to all the folks who have taken the time to send Charlie an email. Her address, by the way, C. Dot Dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. That's what Betty Zwicker did. She says, trust you can give me some info, Ria Bougainvillea, that I received on Mother's Day. It was beautiful with many mauve blossoms, but alas, most have fallen off. The stems are growing very tall, but no sign of blossoms. I've kept it inside in a sunny window. Any help would be appreciated, Charlie. Thanks, Betty. Okay. Uh- Okay, so thanks for your, your email, Betty. Um, I wonder why she kept it inside. 
Uh, a bougainvillea is a tropical plant, a beautiful, as she points out, tropical plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because it's now, you know, we're well past any, now I guess back at Mother's Day there was a chance of frost, but of course now we're well into summer. I would get that plant outside if you can. It wants to be outside. It loves high humidity. It loves hot, sunny days. It loves all the things that our summer provides. Um, now, in the winter, of course, you'll have to bring it in, but you still will want to keep it in that sunny window in the winter. Um, the other thing is we keep it moist now, not wet. Feel the soil. As long as there's some, you feel moisture in that soil, do not water. But as soon as it feels a bit dry on the surface, water with room temperature water. Uh, but come winter, you will not do that. You will wait till it gets quite dry between watering. So as many tropical plants are, their, their downtime is in the winter, and the downtime is, is not a cold necessarily, but a dry time of year. So keep it drier. Um, if you haven't fertilized, Betty, you could consider fertilizing now. Also, look closely. Um, sometimes, it, if you maybe you did fertilize with a high nitrogen fertilizer, which you do not want, right? Nitrogen will just lead to a lot of leaves. So you want a flowering plant fertilizer, something with a high middle number and higher third number of the three numbers and a low first number. And it should start blooming again. As soon as they get outside, I imagine why it dropped its flowers is just that the light levels are, are not as bright inside as they were where it was grown before it was purchased and given to you. Okay, um, we're going to be taking a little bit of a break here and come back with another first-time caller, Morag in Etobicoke. We'll be chatting with you, Charlie, momentarily here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, uh, the folks are keeping me busy today, reaching for this bell. Hey, there it is for Morag in Etobicoke. Good morning, Morag. Good morning. Morning. Charlie, I need your help desperately. <laughs> My Shasta daisies and rutabagas, they're being destroyed. Um, the Shasta daisy is completely covered in a sort of a milk chocolate coppery color of um, whatever, a mist, a haze, and it's into the leaves. It looks like the rutabagia are... At the bud, they're all twisting and black, and I just pick those off. But the, the Chasta daisies are just a disaster. Wow. I used the um, insecticidal soap, but maybe I used it too late. Uh, but are you... So hold on. Remember, soap is an insecticide, right? So we use soap if we see insects, and we can <clears throat> contact the insects with the soap. Uh, the soap will generally kill most insects. But it sounds like... You know what? I think you might have to send me a picture. The um, dark, when we see um, dark spots, which might all come together, coalesce, so to speak, to make a leaf or a petal of a plant completely dark brown or uh, almost an orange color, we uh, suspect rust disease, which is a fungal disease. But I, I find that a bit odd. Okay, so you had this dark sort of chocolate brown thing going on before you used the soap, right? Yeah, um... Yes. I should have maybe started as soon as it started to grow. I, I'm not sure, but anyway. Oh, both Shasta's and Rebecca's are pretty tough plants. There's not much that knocks them down. I mean, drought, 
will will cause them to you know wilt, etc. Um, we are your in I mean, just things to do. Are, there's no leaf material missing, like chewed holes or anything like that. I've got right? some here. It's drying up. Yeah, there is little holes in this one. I see. Um, yes, there is. Hmm. Um, there was a little spider found when we started to um, to spray the insecticidal soap. My daughter-in-law found that, but I'm not sure on the Shasta Daisy. It's just, you look out the window, you know, and you just see as if it's a haze right all wow. over the whole plants. Wow. And they're big bushy ones. They're just yeah, beautiful. Yeah. I haven't seen it on neighbor, um, two others in the neighborhood. They're beautiful. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, that's a, that's a tough one. <clears throat> Send me a picture. Uh, in the meantime, I'll just do a quick search here and see. Uh, so a spider, don't worry about spiders. Spiders aren't going to eat your plants. Um, a spider mites might eat your plants, but they're so tiny you can't see a spider mite without a magnifying glass. So don't worry, it's probably not that. Um, so I'm just going to double check. <clears throat> The, the 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 blossom you know the flower spot on the on the, the shasta daisy is yeah. a little black thing now that's what the bud is on the little black right, right. yeah okay all right well leave that with me and keep listening and I'll see what I can uh, okay stems brown hmm. uh, there there's some rot diseases <clears throat> root rot crown rot are are fungal diseases is do you um do you have irrigation, or do you water these plants? Water. How often have you been watering them? When it needs it, I guess, when the soil gets dry. So could that be every day or two? Or Yeah, I mean, pretty close, yeah. Yeah, because there, it, too much water will do it, overwatering. Uh, or it's a very poorly drained soil or a heavy clay soil. Do you have, no, what kind of soil are they in? We've built the soil up. It's all nice dark soil oh, on everything. Um, I'm wondering if uh, you can't find anything. Should I cut them all back and save the roots? Is that possible or just dig it out? Dig them all uh, out? Uh, and also just tell me about the sun. How much sun are they in? Um, like how many hours a day? Yeah, ha- ha- half a day at least. You may... Yes, I would suggest do cut back any anything that's that is not green, so it's not able to actually do photosynthesis. Remove, bag, and remove from the property. I would cut back on my watering because if you're only in half day sun and it's good soil, which is important, uh, and, and imagine you've got mulch on top of that soil, so you've got you're probably holding the water in the soil longer than you realize, and you think it's dry, but it's not. So don't water unless you dig down you know, an inch below the surface with a spoon or a trowel and see if it's really dried down, you know, an inch below the surface because I I have a feeling it might be an overwatering problem. Overwatering. Because the rotobagus and perhaps even the echinacea are being affected. Yeah, yeah. And none of them like to sit in water. They all want as much sun as you can give them, good air circulation. Uh, You may decide to move the, the Shasta into a sunnier location. But for now, cut back. And, and obviously don't water because we've had rain, but don't water again until you can dig down and see it's dry, okay? Okay, then. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks. Mark. My pleasure. And feel free to send a photo. Yeah. Uh, let me give you the uh, uh, address for Charlie and her email, okay? It is uh, c.dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. Okay, to a, an email here from Linda Woods. 
says, Hi, Charlie. This is my sister, Jacques. She sent you a picture, obviously. It's a perennial. Can you tell us what it's called, please? Also, my second pick, my little pink bush has turned massive and widespread. <laughs> How and when do I cut it? Was it I called a wagalia? Yeah, I love it. My little pink bush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the old, where, when the, the little cute little puppy turns into a great dame. Right? That's right, yeah. It's like, whoa, how'd that happen? All right, so number one, the first picture is Salvia, uh, the sister's um, blue um, sort of towering, flowering perennial is Salvia. Uh, enjoy it. It's a beautiful plant. I just cut mine back yesterday, and it will bloom again. Second picture, yes, it is with Julia. It is looking rather unkempt. So what to do? If, I assume it's finished flowering now because this email was sent on June 11th. So now that it's finished flowering, once we're into some dry weather again, prune it. Prune for shape because if you prune after flowering, anybody should cut any flowering shrub back after it flowers, uh, you will encourage more flowers either this year or next year. The cool thing about Wachelia, it will often pop more blooms later in early in July, so in a couple of weeks. So do prune it. Cut back by at least, in your case, at least a third. Shake the plant so that it's a little more attractive and not quite so leggy. And uh, you will, like I said, likely get a few more flowers this year and enjoy it again next late, next late spring. All right? Thank okay. you. Okay. Let's uh, head off to Scarborough now to join Bob and see what problem he has in his hands. Good morning, Bob. Yeah, good morning. Morning. Uh, I have a problem with the cattle lilies and the slugs. Uh, I just tried them this year, and uh, they looked like they were hit with a shotgun. <laughs> so anyway, I uh, tried ammonia, and uh, I think that made them drunk. And I put some flour out, and I think they ate that, and beer, and they drank it. So uh, I don't know what else to try. Um, somebody said to take two copper wires and keep them a quarter of an inch apart and hook a 9-volt battery to it and give them a shock. But anyway. Uh, uh, I mean, these are all really good ideas. <laughs> um, okay, that. The copper thing, I'll tell you how that works. So slugs and snails, both of them uh, put out mucus, and then it's also known as a slime trail, and then they slide their little bodies across that mucus trail, and that's how they get around. So if, you know how we can't use pennies anymore, and some people have big uh, jars full of pennies. Yeah, if you want to go out with pennies, what you do is you lay them on the surface of the soil, and actually what you do is you have them just touch. So you would encircle your calla lilies with the pennies. The slugs and snails will not cross the copper because um, they w- they'll get a little shock if they try and go across pennies. If their little bodies are only in touch with the copper and not in touch with the soil below, uh, they'll get a very low voltage shock, but it, it does make them unhappy. So pennies can be useful for that. But there is a bait out there. It's called slug and snail bait. Um, it was made by um, Safers, and then it was made by Scotts, but it doesn't really matter who it's made by. It's, a, it's like a little pouch with a Ziploc top. It'll say slug and snail bait on it. It is uh, a, a recipe that fits the criteria of the Ontario uh, chemical requirements, plus it is composed of iron and sulfur. So you put it out. On the, around your plants that the slugs and snails are eating, they find it quite attractive. They'll eat it. It will not kill them immediately. It will kill them in a day or two so that you, you don't have to see their dead bodies. They'll usually crawl away and die somewhere else. Uh, if it doesn't get eaten and the rain causes these little bait pellets to dissolve into the soil, 
then it basically acts like a fertilizer for your plants because what's in those little pellets is actually very good for the plants and bad for the mollusks. It doesn't hurt anybody else except slugs and snails. It really works well. That is what I would recommend. Okay, sounds like a plan. I'm a senior, though, but I have to save my pennies. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, then get some of this, this bait. You know, just, and follow the instructions. It's very clear. Uh, you don't need to put a lot out, and it does work really well. Okay, thanks for your time, and I've phoned before, and you're always a, a, a wealth of information for <laughs> old gardeners. <laughs> Thank you, Bob. <laughs> my pleasure, Bob. I, Appreciate I your learned, testimonial. <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to say, I've, I've learned a lot of information from old gardeners, so, you know, it's, it's a share, it's, gardening is a sharing uh, hobby. <laughs> That's right. You know, we have uh, been uh, the recipient of a lot of great tips, including a wonderful uh, tip for growing tomatoes from our friend Werner. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we have a note here from Shirley uh, Denai in Grafton, who says, uh, Hi, Charlie. I enjoy your Saturday show very much. Thank you. I hope I heard right a few weeks back when you gave the recipe from a gentleman who grows great tomatoes. It is, is it? It's a question here. Two tablespoons of powdered milk and one tablespoon of Epsom salts dissolved in two liters of water. That's what I've been making up for my seven potted tomato plants for three Saturdays now. They have tripled in size and are very strong. Well, let's hope they give me a good crop. I'm also going to give the same solution to my vine cherry tomatoes that are planted in the veggie garden. Uh, and, oh, this may be, as you note in my, your little note to me, it's a good time to remind folks to check out your website, charliedobbin.com. You've got a raft of tips there that include that particular recipe, right? Yes, that's right. And um, it, it, I do certainly give full credit to Warner, who sent this in to us, but it's the classic water bottle take the, the cap off, stick the neck in the ground close to a tomato, of course, cut the bottom off first, and then into that bottle, that open end of the bottle, every week, two teaspoons of skim milk powder, one teaspoon of Epsom salt, and then run water into the bottle until all the powder has dissolved. And Warner swears by this recipe, as do many of our listeners who have followed followed through on Warner's recipe. So it's a it apparently works like a charm. There you go. Well, as the official bell ringer of the show, I'm <laughs> delighted that Lita has called in. She is a first-time caller. There we are, right here in Toronto. Good morning, Lita. Oh, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a question. How to get rid of, I think it's bind weed. It's like mm-hmm. arrow. It's like heart-shaped, mm-hmm. heart-shaped leaf with um, purple stems, and then mm. you pull it, it just breaks off, and then the root is extensive. It just, it's yeah. impossible to get rid of it. It's a hard one to get rid of, for sure. Is it in a garden or the lawn or everywhere? Well, um, it's it's in the flower bed a little bit, and then it's starting to go into the lawn, too. Right. So, unfortunately, as with so many weed issues in our gardens and lawns, it's a, it's a get down there and, and get a good tool that you can actually l- get the root out. Because you're right. The, you, if nothing else, breaking off the, le- the leaves and stems is better than nothing. Oh, because I see. That, that will slow down the growth of the plant eventually. If you continue to do that consistently, it I will see. die. But best case, get the root out when you're doing it, and, and it truly will die. And, of course, don't keep it on the property. Bag it up and send it onto the, uh, off your property so that right. it does not grow in a compost or something. Right. 
Can I ask you a question regarding a previous call? You said mm-hmm. the, the bait for slugs. Mm-hmm. Is that okay for vegetable garden as well? Sure. Yep. yep. Oh, yeah? Okay. You've got slugs or snails eating anything in your garden. They like lettuce, as an example. So, for sure, put a little bit of this bait. It's, it's completely non-toxic to people. Oh. Uh, and it um, doesn't hurt insects or birds or anybody. It just hurts mollusks. Oh, I see. Okay. Thank That's you, Lena. And okay, because you were so a first-time caller, let you sneak thanks that second question in there. I know. She was good yeah, for a very time, cool. right? <laughs> very cool, indeed. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, we have an email here from uh, Joanne Blay, who says, I purchased hellebores at a plant sale about three weeks ago. It's still in its pot. Should I set it in the ground now that I've decided where to transplant it, or would it be better to wait until the fall? I've been watering it very well. Thank you. Joanne. Right. So thank you for your email. Um, hellebores, what a beautiful plant. Remember, as she points out, she's decided where she's going to plant it. So where are we planting it? Mm-hmm. It's, this is a plant that grows very well in the shade. As a matter of fact, it wants to, it wants shade, particularly that hot afternoon sun. It does not want that hot afternoon sun. So in under a tree, uh, north side of a building or fence, something like that, where it's uh, shade, a little bit of reflected light is fine, a bright spot, but no direct sun is fine as well. Make sure your soil has been well amended with lots of good organic matter. Hellebores are um, naturally evolved as in a forest, a plant that grows on the forest floor, so beneath the, the shade of trees above with lots of great organic, um, you know, composted leaves, etc., like leaf mulch. So that's what you want to be planting into. So make sure you've got your, your soil well, well um, amended. And, um, yeah, I would plant it as soon as possible. I'd get it out of the pot, make sure that the, the uh, roots are not all twined around because once they start that spiral, they won't come out of the spiral. So loosen the roots, get it into the ground, water thoroughly once, and then, of course, leave it until it needs water again. And during the hot, dry summer, it's going to need some water. And it's a very long-lived plant. So you want to plant it well, plant it in the right spot, and enjoy it for years and years and years. I'm, I'm still sad I left behind so many hellebores in Richmond Hill when I moved here to the county, but I have no shade, so I couldn't bring them. <laughs> yeah, son of a gun. Okay. No yeah, I'm working uh, on it. Yeah, I'm looking forward very much to this afternoon. You know what I'm up to? What? Uh, going, driving to Hamilton to mm-hmm. uh, help celebrate my eldest son's 50th birthday. Oh, my goodness. Jeez, how did that happen? I was going to say, how does this, don't you feel a little aged when you say that? A little. You're, you're not kidding. I feel creaky right now. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's what's up for me. But well, let's let's get back to the show here. And uh, online, we have from North York, Ron online. Good morning, Ron. Welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I missed a show you had a couple of weeks ago. I've got uh, indoor uh, tree Benjamina and Erica Palms. How often am I supposed to fertilize it with miracle Grow? And... Oh, and the other, the other question was, I, I, somebody had mentioned to me that it, it, you have to, uh, when you, before you pour it in, you have to make sure the soil, the soil is wet, otherwise it becomes acidic, acidic or something? Okay, so that's good. Yeah, we did talk about this last week because we got the question. Oh, so last week, okay. One of our listeners. So you could listen to last week's podcast, which is available at zoomermedia.ca, or is it zoomermedia? Zoomerradio.ca. ZoomerRadio.ca, just go to podcast, garden show, so last week's. But I will tell you, so number one, indoor tropical plants, I imagine you've had them for years and years, they're big plants, they're in big pots. 
what I would do is I would fertilize starting in March, once a month at the most, and I would fertilize monthly as per directions in terms of your mix of water and your fertilizer, right through until the end of July. Maybe you could even do one more fertilizing in August, but that's it. No more fertilizers through the fall and the winter. So March, March to September is when we would fertilize our indoor plants. Uh, now, the question was also about wet and dry soil. So in your pots, where your plants are growing, <clears throat> I, again, I assume they're fairly big pots. So they're probably never truly dry, but the surface looks dry. Um, if you have a moisture meter, you can use that to tell you what's going on down below the surface because uh, the little meter will tell you wet, dry, and in between. Um, if it was truly, truly dry soil, yes, you would water with clear water first. And you'd wait, you might wait a couple hours till you know, the plant, the water has really truly dispersed within the soil before you watered with your fertilized water. And it's a salt issue. Fertilizer is a salt. So if the soil is dry and the roots are down there under dry soil, remember when there's no water in the soil, there's air in between the soil particles. So you put fertilized water into that dry soil, the fertilized water will fill up all those empty spaces with fertilizer, and that's exactly where the roots are as well. The roots are growing between the soil particles, and you can end up um, with a toxic situation in terms of the roots and the salty solution touching each other. So that's why we like to fill all those holes up with, with water first, then when you add your fertilizer, it's a much more, um, it's more neutralized by the clear water or the water that's already in the soil, and it's not as hard on the roots. Okay. Okay, there we go. Uh, oh, thank you very much for that uh, question, Ron. And just a reminder, as we wave bye-bye to Ron, that leaves a line open. As a matter of fact, we've got a couple of lines open now. If you'd like to reach Charlie in Toronto, call 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And a heads up to Maureen in Waynefleet. I've got your little email in my hot hands here, and we'll be reading that to Charlie. Next on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And a good morning to Maureen. We hope is listening in Waynefleet. Uh, your email to uh, Charlie goes this way. Hi, Charlie and Frank. I have a 25-year-old Alberta spruce that has sections of brown needles. It has never had this problem before. It started in the last two weeks on one side. Now it's spreading to the other side. What should I do? Mm. Uh, thank you for that, Frank. Um, just uh, sorry if I wasn't jumping in so quickly. Um, while we were listening to those wonderful sponsored advertisements, I just booked my second vaccination appointment. Oh, good for you. That yeah. was pretty smooth. I, I was expecting to have to refresh for three days, but it, there were some... Um, available appointments for next week. Well, that's great. I've had uh, my second shot, as have Shirley, so we're getting set. That's great. We can hug again. (laughs) I know. And also, as you know, I'm flying away to British Columbia a week tomorrow, so I guess this won't quite have kicked in yet, but still, uh, I'll have it in my body starting next week, so I'm excited about that. Good for you. Uh, Back to the Alberta spruce. Yeah. So um, Maureen sent me some pictures. She has some spotty brown patches on what is clearly a big old uh, dwarf Alberta spruce. So what do you do? Um, 
a couple of things. One is look very closely at this plant. There, it's rare, but there are some insects like spider mites. There are some insects. Uh, there are some pests of Alberta spruce, which will cause problems. So look closely for any, uh, anything unexpected in the way of, of insects uh, or spiders. The other thing that can happen is too much water or not enough water can cause problems. So if it's, you know, be careful about that. Now, if they've had it for 25 years, they probably are pretty good at doing the watering of it to get it to this point. So you know, we call it abiotic. So abiotic stresses are some of the things that are non-infectious. So it's not a pest or a disease, but it could be drought stress. It could be too much water. It could be injuries to the trunk, if anything's happened there. Winter injury, which would be unusual to start seeing now. You would have seen winter injury back starting in probably April. Um, damage from misapplied chemicals, uh, root problems, uh, dogs peeing, you know what I mean? Like there's just 101 things that we can, we are abiotic stresses on plants. So make sure it's none of those things. If it's none of those things and there's no indication of any insects or anything else going on, get out some shears, long um, bladed shears, and you can actually shear the plant. Um, we don't usually cut back Alberta spruces because they're so slow growing and they're so compact in their growth. We pretty much leave them alone, but you can, you can, and now would be the time to do it. Like literally now, not in the rain, of course, wait till it's a dry day, but you can just cut that plant back minimally. You know, basically it's like sort of a half inch all over is what you'd be cutting off and it should fill in again. Uh, more buds will be underneath there and buds should pop and it should be green again. Um, that's what I would do. I would clean it up that way and oh. be careful with watering. Not too much, not, not too little. <laughs> All right, good enough. Uh, let's go to the phone lines here for a note from uh, Diane, or at least let her make the note. Good morning, Diane. Welcome to the show. Hi, Diane. Hi. Morning. Go, yeah, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yep. Thanks yeah. for taking my call. Um, I'm calling regarding uh, Latilla hardy orchid. The one I have here is uh, the blue dragon. I have a few. Um, I ha- this is, I believe, the second summer, um, or spring, rather. I think they bloom in the spring. Uh, it hasn't bloomed. I'm just getting all leaves. What am I doing wrong? Okay, so you're saying it's a hardy orchid? Hardy orchid, B-L-E-T-I-L-L-A. Wait, do that again? Start again? B-L-E-T-I-L-L-A. Oh. Got it. Latilla. Yeah, I, I have several of them, but this one, the Blue Dragon, but none of them have bloomed. Huh. I've never, I've never grown this plant before. Yeah. I don't no, know if they're, they're no, fairly no, newer no. ones, but I, I hadn't heard of them. How do you grow it? Well, it says here, <clears throat> it wants full sun to partial shade, Protect from afternoon sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, grow in moist, well-drained soil, rich in humus, yeah. as makes total sense. Yeah. And they're apparently easy to grow. Will spread to form generous clumps. Now, it could be... So when did you plant this plant? I think I planted it in the, the fall two years ago. Maybe okay. 2019, the fall. Very pretty. This is the second spring. Um, uh, is it spring it blooms? Let me see. Uh, native to China, divide in early spring, so plant in spring, easy to care for. Okay, it's very pretty. Um, it's very hardiness, pretty. climate, plant, family exposure. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> to, um, I've just never grown this. I know, uh, and now, um, of course, all the leaves are, 
they're yellowing and dying as they normally would, like tulips, but I'm not getting anything. Maybe it, it really needs a lot of fertilizer. No, no, you know what, um, generally fertilizer is not your go-to mm. um, guide. I have been putting down like hen manure in the whole bed because it's more an acidic bed. Okay, and how often have you been doing that? Uh, maybe this year since the spring I've, I've done it twice. Okay, so, um, and it's composted manure that you're putting down, like it's just coming in a bag. I would yeah, the, pal- the palleted uh, mm. manure, yeah. Yeah, which is great. You can't go wrong with manure, but keep in mind what manure is composed of. It, if it's truly manure, which it should be, yeah. um, it is going to be high in nitrogen mm-hmm. because uh, it's, ammonia is one of the main components of um, the uh, of uh, manure from sheep and cattle. So you do end up with a lot of nitrogen, which will contribute to a lot of leaves. Mm. Uh, so I tend to do my, my addition of, and it's great, very, very good organic matter addition, spring or fall. I don't do a lot of that during the growing season because it just can be a little, uh, it's hard sometimes to get in amongst the plants. If you really want to put a kind of a half inch everywhere, spring and or fall. Mm. And um, yeah, so it says bloom, this plant should bloom for about four to six weeks in early to mid-summer. Flowers open from the bottom and progress to the top. And each pseudobulb produces three to five upright sword-shaped pale green leaves, which add interest and distinction from mid-spring until frost. Um, and, of course, there's seed heads. So but it blooms in the summer, right? So the, it's okay. The leaves are, like, dead now. Um, yeah, I wonder why the leaves are dead, though. They, yeah. should, they should be green right now. I know, because they, they come up nicely, and then all of a sudden they come up too much, and they just fall over. And yeah. this is well, what happened. They fall over, and now they're yellow. Okay, so you don't want that. Have you been watering in the drought? Yes, probably. Yeah, Yeah, so, um, okay, they should be happy and green right now, so they should not have fallen over. So too much water or too much uh, interference by, you know, adding in, say, manure, et cetera, while they were growing, Um, too much fertilizer. There's all, you know, sometimes we love our plants so much we kill them with love. So I would suggest, you know, sort of hold back on doing anything. Mm-hmm. If the leaves are completely yellow, cut them away, but stay away and see if they re, um, they may regrow from those bulbs okay. that you planted. They're pseudo-bulbs, they're called. Yep. Uh, you may get green leaves coming up. Don't panic if you don't get flowers this year. Just let it be a green plant if it, if it comes back up, which hopefully will. And then expect to see flowers next year. Um, yeah, it's just the main, they're supposedly easy to grow, rich, moist, well-drained soils, part shade. Um, they're virtually disease-free. So, I mean, watch for aphids and that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, four inches apart, uh, divide in early spring if you need to. But for now, just let them be and, uh, and enjoy them. I, I'm going to get some. <laughs> yeah, because Charlie. now, I mean, it started as maybe one shoot. Now I have, like... I mean, it's multiplying. Maybe I have yeah, four or five in each little clump. Yeah, that's good. I, ha- I hate to break in, folks, but we're way over our, our time here for oh, our next so we uh, are. next break. So I uh, hope that helps you out, Diane, and uh, thank you for calling. Meantime, yeah. we'll get back to another call uh, from Anne in Derby, New York, waiting on the line here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. 
exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, as sometimes happens, we go international. Let's welcome to the line Anne from Derby, New York. Good morning, Anne. Yeah, hi, Charlie and Frank. Can you hear me okay? Yes, indeed. Yes, good morning. Hi, good morning. Love the show. Now, I've taken this plant to a uh, nursery, and they couldn't identify what it is. Now, and that's why I hope you can uh, possibly identify. The plant, um, my, from what I heard, my grandmother planted it back in 1934 on this farm property, which I have. Mm-hmm. So it disappeared because of a lot of construction, and then about 20 years ago, I found it in the ditch. So I brought it back to the property, and it's been growing ever since. It never grows in a clump or a cluster. Now, what it, how it grows is it sends up a stalk that can go as high as six to seven feet. The stalk itself is is not thick. It's only about a quarter to a half inch. And then it gets narrower as it goes to the top where the flowers are. On the very top of the plant, you have a cluster of extremely tiny uh, pink, white, tiny, tiny flowers that are clustered together. The smell, the fragrance is unbelievably sweet unbelievably sweet so if you pass my walk past the garden you can Mm -hmm. smell it you know like 10 feet away Mm -hmm. now when it grows up it only grows like one stalk and it's always growing in a partial sun area okay now i don't have many of these okay Mm -hmm. and it's always protected by hostas and other plants around it okay so i would say it likes the shade though it can tolerate some sun Mm -hmm. now as it grows up every eight to ten inches it sends out two tiny fern-like leaves and where those leaves are it sends out a small stalk and on the end of that stalk um which i call the minor stalk it has another cluster of flowers then it grows up now the stem of the stalk is is hollow Mm -hmm. what is it (laughs) (laughs) you know i i sympathize with charlie library (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Is there any chance, and you could send a picture to Charlie? Because I'll have to trying do. to you know, identify I take it to this. I to a nursery and he says, I don't know what this is. Well, but it's, uh, can, can you it, take it's a picture? It's the most interesting plant. Yeah, it's so sounds amazing. <laughs> Yeah, okay. so when okay. I, oh, when, now if you really bump it hard, the stalk will fall over, okay? Yeah, so it's course. tender. Yeah. Now I bought some into the house and I put it in a vase. You know that that has survived now 12 days and oh, it is as sweet as when I first brought it in. It's wow. not melted at all. Amazing. I, I love the sounds of it. I, I, at this point, nothing is coming to my brain, but if you do send me some pictures, picture the flower, picture the leaves. Uh, leaves at ground level, little fern-like leaves you were talking about. I have many smart friends who also know a lot of horticultural uh, historical information, so I can send it around. I'm sure I can find some smart person to help me figure out what it is. But Can, can you do that, Anne? In order can, to be able to do that. Can you get a picture to Charlie? should have this plant because the fragrance is... <laughs> yeah, I love the sounds of it. I love fragrant plants. Okay. So, so Anne, if there's any way you can send pics, I'm sure I can sort out the mystery. It's a great mystery. I love them. <laughs> okay. Thanks for Thanks calling, so Anne. Thanks for calling. Good, yeah. good luck with all of that. Holy mackerel. Uh, wow, get, no send that email with the picture <laughs> to charlie at c.dobbin d-o-b-b-i-n at mzmedia.com or in your case mzmedia.com yeah, and uh, I, we have to leave. Like, there's something called yeah. a stalk. 
anyway, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll figure it out. Okay. So I, I love the fragrant aspect of that flower. Hey, Frank. We're just Thank about for, at the uh, gate here. We've got we got to get out of here. Don't the, let those car guys run you over. No, they're putting the foot on the accelerator. I can tell. I right know. <laughs> they're always a bit scary, <laughs> but give them a big hello from me um, to Alan and Dave. And thank you so much, Frank. Couldn't do any of this without your great help. I know it's uh, challenging sometimes because you're up so early in the morning and you got so many other shows you do. So I really appreciate you. Being being who you are when it comes to thank the you, my show. love. Ah, uh, God and, bless you. And thank you, Carlos. Couldn't do without Carlos's help, and of course, callers, emailers, keep them coming. We'll see you all again next week when we follow up with another wonderful episode of the Garden Show. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at nine on Zoomer Radio, the new AM seven forty. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.